Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to our programming today. This is a third uh, in our little series here on hope in the midst of coronavirus. And coronavirus has attacked our whole world today. And I believe it's your responsibility as well as mine as members of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to stand against this pestilence, to stand against this virus in prayer and in the blood of Jesus. Amen. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the blood of Jesus. We're going to be reading from Revelation chapter 12. Now I'm not going to take this from a prophetic point of view as far as end times. Uh, you know, this fits into the Great Tribulation period, these particular passages of Scripture. But they are applicable not only in the Tribulation, but they're applicable to us today in our lives as we live for Christ. In reality, this whole Bible has had <clears throat> an application to Christians of every age since the church was founded at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there were things in the book of Revelation that, of course, pertain to the future, but they were a blessing to the people in the early church time. They were a blessing to people in the, in the 1400s and the 16 and, and in the 1800s and on up to today. So all of the Bible, even though it may be speaking about a futuristic event, all of the Bible has life lessons for us today. So turn with me, to, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And I'm going to start reading in verse 9. I'm reading today from the New King James Version of the Bible. And it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that, old, uh, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. <clears throat> he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. I want to stop right there before we get to the next verses. And uh, the other day we had talked about, uh, as we are redeeming the time through this situation, that we are to pray and cry out to God in repentance for the sins of our nation. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about repenting of our personal sins. Not the least of which is the accusing of the brethren. I don't know how many times in the last 10 years or so on Facebook, uh, other venues of social media, I have seen Christians make presumptions about one another, personal attacks against one another, people seeing who uh, you know they can lash out at because they might disagree, and usually the disagreements are over some minor point of doctrine or something. It's, it's not usually on the essentials, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I learned a long time ago in life to pick your battles. I mean, uh, there are certain things that we can agree to disagree on and do it civilly that are the distinctives among us and the non-essentials 
as long as we come into the agreement on the fundamentals of the faith. Amen? There's certain things that every Christian needs to believe. And, if you, and there's certain things the Bible says, if you don't believe, then you're not really a Christian. Even though you might desire to join yourself to Jesus, that doesn't make you a Christian. It makes you a Christian when you believe what the Bible tells you to believe. And you believe in Him, first of all, and His blood washes you. That's what saves you. And then as you open to the Holy Spirit in your life, He begins to teach you the things that you need to know. And there are many applications to scriptures. Some people make it so cut and dry. The fundamentals are cut and dried. What do you mean by fundamentals, preacher? Well, I mean things like the inerrancy of the Word of God. That's a must. If you, if you don't believe that, you can't really be a Christian. Uh, original sin. That we, and that because of original sin, we are all born with a sin nature. That's, that's a fundamental of the faith. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. That's a fundamental. We all have to believe that. We believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved and go to heaven. And that He paid the price for that on the cross when He died for our sins and shed His blood. And also, Christians... A fundamental is to believe in the resurrection of Christ, which declared in the face of the, the entire spirit world, it declared our justification, the Bible tells us, when Jesus rose from the dead. And I don't want to get into all the theology of that, but those are fundamentals. Jesus is coming back again. Is an essential fundamental to be a Christian. Now, the timing of that is where some disagreement can take place and not violate the essentials of the Word of God. I mean, I have friends that are mid-trib. I have a, a very few friends that are post-trib. I happen to be pre-trib. But we're not going to fight over that. We might get into some interesting discussions, praise the Lord, but we can still have fellowship because the essential fact is that Jesus is going to come again. And it's hard for people to think like this because everybody thinks that they're the most right in any situation or any discussion or any argument or whatever. We're told over and over and over again as New Testament Christians to not argue about our, our faith. We're told to make concessions for those who, who might be weaker in faith. I could go on and on and on. But the other day, as I said, we did a, a, a message on redeeming the time, and we talked about our responsibility, just like the Bible greats of old, to repent for the sins of our nation. And we also need to repent of our own sins, our own personal sins. And sometimes those sins are private, you know, and you don't need to necessarily tell it all over the world. There's a scripture that says we confess our faults one to another that we may be healed. But you have to take that in context. And I'm not going to go into that right now. You better use wisdom who you're telling what in today's world, even among church people. You need to use wisdom. And you need, everybody needs in their life, though, a confidant. Or three or four people that you trust that can pray with you 
and do spiritual warfare with you in your life and for your life. Every couple needs other couples in their life that can help them, that can talk about things, whatever the case might be. That's the Bible way. Jesus has no lone rangers. He really doesn't. And, and, and this is coming from a guy, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I used to be fiercely independent. I really was. I loved people, and I would hang out with people. But at the end of the day, I was, I was my own person. And that's all right in certain areas, and that's all right in its place. But we need one another as the body of Christ. And we need to, if a brother or sister confesses a sin that's been in their life to you, and ask you to pray with them about it. You need to not tell it all over town. You need to use respect and discretion. The more you blab your mouth, the less God will use you. You hear me? The more loose your lips are, the less God will use you in His kingdom. Because we're not, we're not receiving the, the confession or whatever to judge we're receiving it because they want us to join faith with them and get victory and overcome that thing. And so there are certain things in your life that you won't. We, we can't overcome anything in our life without the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works exclusively based on the blood of Jesus. Okay? We can't overcome anything there. And then there are some things that after we've received salvation and we become Christians, there's some things that we overcome. There's some habits that we overcome. There's some things that the Holy Spirit convicts us about and we make changes in our life because we're empowered by His Holy Spirit. But there are some things in life that you may not make it through without the help of other Christians. And you can just Take it for what it's worth to you, but I've been around the block a little bit. There are some things in life that demands a, a, a joint effort, if you will, a combined effort of the forces of heaven operating in people's lives, the different giftings that they have, the different touch with God that they have, to get you through a particular situation. I could give you examples, but for the sake of time, I will not. But I want to say this. I believe myself personally that one of the chief sins in the body of Christ right now is that of working with Satan. You say, what? We're Christians. We don't work with Satan. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And every time that you or I accuse the brethren, we are helping Satan to accomplish his goal. Which his goal is to tear a person down, to tear their faith apart, to put condemnation and guilt upon them. Now, here's what I did not say. I did not say we shouldn't preach about sin because some people in our congregation has that sin. You know me better than that, folks. We preach about sin, and we preach about it furiously because God is against sin. Amen? Sin will kill us. Sin will keep us out of God's presence, and so we don't want to tolerate sin. 
I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people presuming they know what the other guy's thinking, presuming they know that this just had to be the way it was, and, and in reality it was a different way totally altogether, you know. But they're just sure they're right, and they're basing their treatment of that other brother or sister based on the lie that they believe is right. These are the kind of things I believe with all my heart that we have to get before God on right now and ask God to change us on the inside, to change our hearts toward one another. Alright? Because there's only one way. The, the, the coronavirus may or may not directly impact your health. Okay? And I hope it does not. We are praying around the clock here at Acts 2618 Ministries for people to be rescued from it, to be healed of it, whatever the need might be. But I will tell you this. For all of us, whatever the impact level, we should take an inventory of our relationship with Christ. Because I'm sure that you're aware that at any moment, you know, what if it wasn't coronavirus, what if it was some type of thermonuclear weapon that had been dropped? At any moment, life can change in the blink of an eye. That phone call could come. We could go on and on and on of possible scenarios. We don't need to do that here today. But we need to be right with Jesus. Every one of us, right? I mean, I'm no different than you. I've got things in my life that needs work on, you know. I need to be right with the Lord. And so we don't want to do Satan's job for him. We don't want to be accusers of the brethren. And we don't want to harbor any other sin either. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe, maybe you're relaxed and laid back and you receive people for face value and that's awesome. Or maybe you're very judgmental and critical. Again, not talking about preaching against sin. I'm talking about just daily living the Christian life. You know, when I go to visit people, and there's a lot of people that I know they're doing stuff. I know they are. I've, I've either seen them or somebody has told me or whatever the case might be. And I don't go in there and just open my Bible and start preaching like I would preach here on the radio or preaching live services. Or I don't preach in a sermon. And I treat them with dignity and respect. I might tell them, you know, that sin's going to, it's going to hurt you. But I don't preach it at them. I don't tell them it's okay. I don't say, well, just do whatever you want. Grace covers it. That's, that's the biggest lie that's hit the church in decades, friend. You know? But at the same time, everybody has dignity. Everybody has worth. And everybody has value. And so we don't want to do the enemy's job and God knows the motive of the person's heart. If you're going in there to a situation and you know somebody's in bondage to a sin and you're trying to rescue them, the Lord knows that. He knows that's what's in your heart. Or if you're trying to run them down, He also knows that's what's in your heart. And so there's, there's been many people. Uh, there's been people that I know for a fact are deeply involved in drugs. And they go to church and they gave their heart to Jesus and they love Jesus, but they haven't been able to quit. They battle with it. They struggle with it. I go in and I pray with them for victory. And I'm telling you, I've seen the blood of Jesus 
set person after person after person free from alcohol and drugs in my ministry. I have. And you, you, can, have, you can have that ministry and not even be a five-fold ministry gift. You could be out there setting your neighborhood free from drugs and alcohol, but not if you're drinking it yourself or smoking it yourself or whatever they do with it. You follow me? So it's, it's the level of our heart needs to grow. And it needs, we need to increase in the kingdom principles of God through this time of coronavirus. Now let's look at the next verse because here comes the power, okay? We have to cast Satan away from our lives. I'm using this in typology of what we read literally in the Word of God. We, we, we have to pray and get before God and let the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit cast Satan and sin out of our life. And we have to learn to not keep opening the doors for bitterness or anger or wrath or judgmentalism. In its proper place, there are judgments that we make every day and we're right to do so. But when it comes to your motive should be to get a person saved, not to not to uh, make them feel like they're not worth anything. And see, there's a big difference. If I approach somebody because I want to get them to Jesus and get them saved because I love their soul and I don't want them to go to hell, that's a big difference in attitude than the guy who just wants to point the finger and make people feel bad and make people feel worthless. There's a big difference there. And we need to repent of those areas where we have marginalized people. Okay? Again, I'm going to say this another time because I know how people are. We, we preach against sin and we preach against sin strongly. Absolutely. Never go soft on sin. But love the sinner. And your motive should be to get them saved and washed in the blood of Jesus. Okay? So we get Satan out of our life as Christians and we begin to grow and listen to what it says. Verse 11, chapter 12, book of Revelation. And they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Now, I want to say we're going to talk about those three things for the remainder of our time. The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives unto the death. Now, that third one is where I'm going to start. Because we, you know, it means that there's going to be many people who will be martyred for their faith in Christ. That's absolutely what it means. And it also goes a little deeper beyond that. And it's in the Christian's daily life in living for Christ of dying to self and putting others first. And sometimes we're not very good at that. And I know I'm not, and I don't know too many human beings that have arrived at that point, but I know some that are, are better and catching on quicker and learning the New Testament message quicker than others. And I've been one that have had to really wrestle with this. But the point is, is that when we don't love our lives unto the death, that means we can stop being an accuser of the brethren. Because my perception, or my opinion, or my thought is not God to me. Okay? 
the, the thoughts that are God to me is God's thoughts that are in this book. And you have to even be careful there sometimes with your interpretation of what is in this book because, hello, you may be wrong. Again, going back to the point why we need the church. You might be right, you might be wrong. And in the multitude of counselors, the Bible says, there is wisdom. And that's where we want to be is on wisdom's side especially through times like this crisis, but all the time. And so love not your life, it's, it's talking about being a martyr for Christ, but it goes deeper than that. And it means that right now as I live, if I say this to so-and-so, how is it going to make them feel? Especially if I'm stewing over this situation, you, you name the situation, whatever, I'm using hypotheticals, and, and, and I really want to tell them how I feel, but now the mature Christian, the one who is growing and maturing in the Lord, will stop and think, how's it going to make them feel? How's it going to make Christ look if I say this thing and if I do this action? Now listen, listen, listen. None of us are going to be perfect at this in this life. We can make great strides, however, and we can trust the Lord to bring us through to victory in that particular area of dying to ourselves and living for the benefit of others. We're not going to be perfect until we get to heaven because we live in this flesh body. And we have a sin nature that even though the Lord has rendered it inoperative, it is still there. And if we get our eyes off Jesus, sometimes just for the briefest moment, the sin nature will come roaring back to life in us. And we, we have to repent, and we have to say we're sorry, and we have to try to make amends, or whatever the case might be. So we're not saying that you need to expect perfection in yourself or even others, of, of course. You don't expect perfection, but you don't make excuse for imperfection. You follow me? We, we, I'm going to say that again because I think it's important. We might go just a little over time here today, but I'll do my best, okay? We are never going to in this life, because we're in this flesh body and we have a sin nature that does battle against our spiritual nature, we are not going to be perfect, but we must stop making excuses for the imperfect about our lives. And, we, and the Lord has designed it in His Word that there will be growth in us. And I feel within my heart right now, and I know this is true for me, it's been true with, with my wife, it's been true with several of my friends, that we're just looking in depth at ourselves right now during the time of this virus and this, this uh, crisis that our world is facing and things are closing and... You know, uh, today this is uh, March the 18th, 2020. I forgot what day it was there for a minute, but uh, my wife's employer is closing the lobby of their business. They'll still be going to work, still be getting paid. Uh, they'll be doing drive-through and uh, appointment only for the other. And so, I mean, all kinds of crazy things are happening that I've never seen in my life. 
time. I've never seen anything like this, really. But this is the time where I realize more than ever my own mortality. And I realize that we need Jesus more than we've ever needed him before. And that takes us from the loving not your life unto the death. And incidentally, there's going to come a day very, very shortly where I'm going to do a longer message on this. It's very important to all of us. But here is the victory. The victory is in, we will overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And we all know that the blood of Jesus has never and will never lose its power. Amen? We know the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from every sin, can free us from every chain of bondage. The blood of Jesus can make enemies love one another. The blood of Jesus can do anything because it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified is the foundation upon which the church is built. Alright? Nothing will come to you that has not been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Praise God. And so I'm, I, whether it's salvation, whether it's sanctification, whether it is healing, whether it is blessing, whatever it is, it comes through the blood of Jesus. And then it says the word of our testimony. You see, the words that we speak do make a difference. And I'm not talking about the the far out message of just, you know, creating different realities and all that. I'm talking about your testimony. And in this instance, it doesn't so much refer to the fact <clears throat> that you would stand up in, in the church service and you would say, well, I was a sinner and I did this, this, and this, and I was hopeless and I was really hurting inside and Jesus, oh, thank you, Lord, came and saved my soul and I put my faith in what he did. Now, it's not talking about that type of testimony, though that's a good one, okay? It's not that, that's not what's being referred to here, though. What's being referred to here is the testimony of what the blood of Jesus does in my life every single day of my life. It's a testimony to the glory of Jesus. It's a testimony that would say to this coronavirus in the United States and around the world right now, you, you might think you're strong, but the blood of Jesus has more power than you. You might think you're, you're instilling fear because the real enemy behind all sickness is Satan. That's the real enemy. It, sickness came into the world the same time sin came into the world at the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. And that sickness just keeps, really, it's intensifying. And so is sin, believe it or not. But Satan only has weapons that are common to man, the Bible tells us. And he, does, he can't go beyond what is common to man. And so, this testimony that we need to incorporate in our lives right now, during this crisis in our nation, is that Satan, the blood of Jesus, is against you. And the blood of Jesus is speaking a better word. The blood of Jesus is speaking healing. The blood of Jesus is speaking health. The blood of Jesus is speaking victory over sin. And the blood of Jesus has been shed to cover my life. That I might walk in protection. That I might walk in joy and victory no matter what my circumstance is. Because I know where I stand with God. 
because I'm under the blood of Jesus. And so as we look at this crisis unfold, and there are new things happening every single day, and it's not very pleasant. I mean, you know, the, the country has basically come grinding to a halt. And as we repent over the sins of our nation together as Christians, and we go before God and ask Him to pour out mercy on America and mercy on the world right now, as we do all of that, let us also consider our own lives and let us grow spiritually through this time. We talked about redeeming the time in the first broadcast. The second one was boldness in prayer. But today, let's ask God to cause us, the church, the body of Christ, to grow during this time. You see, the secular world might be shut down for a little bit, right? But your Christian life and your Christian growth doesn't need to take a day off. Amen? It doesn't need to go on shutdown. And you can ask God to help you to overcome the things in your life that are displeasing to Him. And I'm going to close by saying this. I, I promised everybody I'd try to keep them around 30 minutes for these specials. I pray when this is over that many believers in America that have forsaken the house of God will get themselves back to church. And we're going to talk more about that. But last night, which would have been March 17th, Perry Stone preached an excellent word about that. As we have basically uh, invented our own way of worshiping God when He's already told us the way He wants us to do it. So I would pray I would pray that when this crisis is over and we are meeting together again in larger groups, that you would go back, that you would repent, and that you would walk where God intends you to walk, which is in kingdom fellowship, and go back. Because it's vital to your spiritual growth. It is absolutely vital, even if you don't think so. It is so important. And through this time, we can become better Christians. And I really believe that, folks. And, of course, our heart should ever be to shine that light to a darkened world. The light of Jesus. Shine it to a darkened world. And speak the word of your testimony that gives glory to Jesus in every circumstance. Speak life into this world right now. And witness your faith. Win souls. Oh, the church needs to get back to active soul winning. You know what the church has been doing so many times, sadly, is that we get people who will attend, but we don't get people born again. It's easy to ask somebody to come to church, and I'm all for it. but we need to get them born again. And you can do that with them. And then you take them to church so that they can be discipled in the proper way. It's, it's not proper to disciple yourself. You have to... You understand? So you go out and win people to Christ. And then you invite them to church to be discipled. 
God can use this time, folks. God is in control. The victory is ours because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of our testimony. And if we need to make adjustments in the things that we've been saying, then now would be an excellent time to let the Holy Spirit make those adjustments. Amen? So today, I don't know what we'll call this, probably about, you know, grow through the blood of Jesus and the word of your testimony during this crisis or something. But I just want to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people today. I thank you for this few moments to share the word. And Lord, I ask that you help each one of us to excel in the things of the Spirit and the things of the kingdom, even during this crisis, even during this time, Lord, we're believing you for complete and total victory and deliverance. And we're asking you to forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our sins, Lord, and help us to be more like Christ Jesus as each day passes. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, giving you all the praise and glory. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen.